Hi, everyone. This is Nick Pollock here for Roar Lines Roar, joined by my co-host Matt Filipovitz. Uh, really quickly, before we get into today's episode, our preview of the West Virginia game, just wanted to add a quick note here uh, to acknowledge the medical retirement of Penn State offensive lineman Landon Tengwall. Uh, Landon obviously came to Penn State with a ton of a ton of hype. He was a blue chip recruit, very highly sought after product, one of the best players in his class. I'm just going to read a statement quickly. Penn State family, it is with a heavy heart that I'm announcing my retirement from football. Unfortunately, I've sustained an injury that will not allow me to safely continue to play the game I love and that has given me so much. I want to thank my family, my friends, Coach Franklin, Coach Tratwine, my teammates, and all the Penn State coaches and staff. They have all provided invaluable support through this difficult time. Penn State will always be my home. I will always be a proud Penn State football player. Penn State has the greatest fans in the world, and I want to thank all of you for supporting me during my time on the field. And now in my next chapter, we are forever Landon Tengwall. Just a big bummer for, um, you know, not only from an on-field perspective, because he's a very talented offensive lineman, and Penn State was, you know, hopefully going to get great contributions from him this year. Um, but off the field as well, obviously you hate to see a kid have to medically retire, uh, before, you know, before they're ready to do so. And, uh, but he's just dealt with a lot of these injuries over his very short time at Penn state. Uh, just, just a bummer to see him go, Matt. Yeah. A huge bummer. Best of luck to Landon Tangwall. I, I think a guy who was trending to be a captain, you know, on every single podcast, every single media appearance he ever did, he just seemed like the kind of guy you wanted to represent the university. Uh, and I'm very glad he got to live his dream, although it was probably not the way, you know, it was hoping for. Uh, but, you know, he was a Penn State football player and a starter in the Big Ten. Not many people get further than that. So best of luck to Landon True. in whatever comes next. Uh, and I hope he stays around the program because he feels like the kind of guy um, who you want around your university. So bummer news. Yeah, but- unfortunately, unfortunately, not the first time that Penn State has had somebody medically retire in the last couple of years. But pretty much in every, every all, all those scenarios, they've mostly stayed around the program and, you know, maybe become grad assistants after that, but they've, they've stayed around in some capacity. So hopefully he's able to do the same. Um, and hopefully whatever the injury is, that's keeping him from playing football. Hopefully he's able to heal up and just live his life normally, uh, just without, you know, without 300 pound dudes banging into him on every single play. Uh, I imagine life would be a bit easier than that. Uh, but once again, huge bummer, really bummed for Landon Tengwall, but we wish him all the best. And with that, please enjoy today's episode of the podcast. I'm about to do the intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host tonight, Matt Filipovitz, joined by my phenomenal co-host, Mr. Nick Polak. Nick, hello. How are you? I am doing okay. I'm very hyped about the fact that Penn State plays in just a couple of days. I'm less hyped about the fact that while uh, in first place in the American League West in August for the first time since I believe 2003, the Mariners decided to lose last night to the Oakland Athletics while I was in attendance to drop back to a tie for first place. So that's not great. But in terms of Penn State, I'm doing great. Well, the Mariners in, a, in an August meltdown are nothing new. And I can say that as a Phillies fan, uh, I got to watch my team blow like a lead three times today against the angels. So the American league West remains an enemy for all of us. 
But we are here not to talk about baseball. We're here to talk about a more common enemy, and that is the West Virginia Mountaineers. We are back now officially in game mode for our first game preview of the season. If you're new here, or if you haven't already, be sure to hit the like button, hit the subscribe button if you're watching us on YouTube, leave a comment down below. Be sure to follow us on Twitter over at RLR blog and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. We're going to be here at least two episodes a week, hopefully every Monday with our recap episodes and every Thursday with our game previews. And to kick that off, we have the Penn State Nittany Lions against West Virginia for the first time in over 30 years. It's Penn State's first season opener at home since 2019 when they beat Idaho by like 72 points. The last time Penn State played a fellow Power 5 team at home in the non-conference, they beat Auburn in the whiteout back in 2021. And a this marks, it was that was one of my absolute favorite games. But this marks the revival of a very famous rivalry, Nick, that you and I never really got to be a part of. So we'll dive into the Penn State offense versus the West Virginia defense in a little bit. But Nick, overall, how are you feeling going into this game? Do you feel like you have like bad blood with West Virginia? Are you extra hype because of it? Just, you know, broadly about, was it 72 hours out at time of recording? How are you feeling right now? I wouldn't say extra hyped. Um, I mean, I like the fact that they're playing a, <clears throat> excuse me, a power five team to open the year. We've talked about how it's nice to be playing one that's not, you know, a major threat. At least we don't think they will be a major threat necessarily. Um, so it's nice mm-hmm. to, you know, have a chance to get a nice win against a notable name and what should be a fairly comfortable game. Uh, as far as bad blood, no, nah, I don't. If anything, I kind of like West Virginia because they have a fun little rival- rivalry with Pitt and it's fun to root against Pitt. So if anything, I kind of like West Virginia. Um, and I actually, yeah, I, I did actually um, ask my my parents did not go to Penn State. My wife's parents both went to Penn State and like my wife grew up basically being taught like no like you hate notre dame it's not a choice like you hate notre dame so i asked them i was like do you have similar feelings about west virginia and they were like no i mean we we like they remember playing west virginia a lot and they remember you know the rivalry obviously but they don't really have any negative feelings toward them either so i i yeah i'm curious about like the fan base pulse at large in regards to that yeah, which I think makes a night game so much more intriguing. I think it makes it just a really fun way to revive this once storied rivalry. And like I said, the game is going to be at 7.30 Eastern time. Make sure we get that out there because Nick, neither you nor I are in Eastern time. So 7.30 Eastern time on NBC. I believe it's the first uh, Beaver Stadium game to be on NBC. So hmm. I believe it's Noah Eagle and, um, oh my goodness, the, the quarterback. Nick, help me out here. <laughs> What's his name? Todd Blackwood. Oh my yeah. God. I'm sorry, Todd. And Todd Blackwood on the call here uh, in just a couple of days. So Nick, let's let's dive right in. A big part of this game is going to be a revamp, not revamped, but a n- more or less new look Penn State offense. And there's a lot of players returning. Probably the biggest departures are Juice Scruggs at center, Bretton Strange at tight end. Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinslet wide receiver, which real quick, all of those guys officially made NFL rosters this week. Yeah. Big shout out to Mitchell Tinsley, especially from going undrafted to now being in the NFC East with the Washington Commanders. Thrilled for that guy. Really, really excited that he gets to go out there and prove it. And of course, Sean Clifford. I forget if I mentioned him or not, but Sean Clifford has moved on after six years in Happy Valley, four as the starter and rewriting the record book. And Nick, 
we'll start off with the Penn State offense attacking that West Virginia defense. Some quick notes on West Virginia. They run a 4-2-5 scheme, so not unlike what Penn State likes to run. They call like their safety linebacker hybrid player, if I'm understanding it correctly, the bandit. So that that's a kind of a newer position I haven't really seen listed on a roster outside of West Virginia's. Their leading tackler is a man named Lee Koba, who is back for another season. And their second and third leading tacklers are two safeties. Um, but the leading, the number six, yeah, the number two tackler with 66 tackles is Aubrey Burks, and he is back. And also Sean Martin along their defensive front is back. The corners are all new, but they did bring in a couple of transfers, a guy from Minnesota and a guy from Kent State. And Nick, we'll flip it over to you. What do you want to see from this Penn State offense as they try to attack a West Virginia defense that was not exactly great last year? They finished ranked outside of the top 100 in scoring. Yeah, and real quick too, I think they have the bandit. They, I think they also have a position they call the spear. If the spear is the other one, correct. yeah, and that is looks like it's going to be manned by our old friend Lance Dixon, who is somehow yes. only a redshirt sophomore. <laughs> I think the COVID year is in there too. Yeah. Oh yeah. That makes so I think sense. He has six, I think he has six years of eligibility. So that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's an interesting situation with this West Virginia defense, because like you said, they were not, they were not good last year um, and they lost their best player, probably multiple of their best players from a bad defense a year ago. It's, You're talking about Dante Stills, I'm assuming. Yes. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, and and they also lost, I believe, basically their entire cornerback room. Correct. That's a tough look when you're going to run the 4-2-5. Now, obviously, the 4 5 like the 5 can be made up of, you know, three safeties instead of like three corners like we often see from Penn mm-hmm. State. But still, that's uh, that's a lot of pressure on a secondary that's being rebuilt a bit. And I don't know that it's going to kill them all that much in this game because i think penn state's going to try to focus on running the football but it's it's at least an interesting point and i actually think that will when penn state does drop back to throw the ball i think we're going to see a good amount of play action because i think we're going to see a lot of nick singleton yeah. a lot of katron allen early obviously and i think you know to just get drew aller a little bit more protection than he might have otherwise i think you know your is going to lean on that play action and it's going to be interesting to see how those that rebuilt secondary response to that we've talked about how Penn State doesn't have much in terms of established options at pass catcher. But, you know, that when you're going against a team that doesn't have a lot of established options in the secondary, you know, that's kind of a kind of an equalizer. So uh, it'll be interesting. I think that uh, that matchup won't matter as much because I do think they're going to lean on Singleton and Allen in this one. Probably see some mm-hmm. Trey Potts as well. But um, it's a in it's an intriguing at the very least i i really want to know if they kind of give our an on-ramp here and they give him a lot of chances to throw against a west virginia secondary that i know they have their safeties back and that's a really talented group but with these new corners if they give him this opportunity to go out there and really spin the pill i really want to know if they feel like their receivers can build confidence in this game because they're really going to have this game and the Delaware game before it really ramps up against Illinois. Not to look, not to overlook West Virginia, but when you're breaking in new corners like that, especially in a night game in Beaver Stadium, that's your opportunity to go out there and try to make a couple really big plays. So sure. I could see it being like, you know, 22 passes for Drew Aller feels like the sweet spot. 
And then I think we're going to see a ton of the two outstanding sophomore running backs in Singleton and Allen, and then a good amount of Trey Potts as well. I think the goal is to keep everybody just as healthy as they can for as long as they can. So I could see a true one-to-one-to-one drive split for the first couple weeks of the season just to make sure everybody's healthy and good to go. So I think they can definitely attack this front. Dante Stills was a great defensive lineman for West Virginia last year. They're only all-conference performer on defense, and he's off with, I believe, the Cardinals now. So, you know, good for him. Get the bag. But this opened up as an opportunity for not only Aller to get more reps, but in the running game perspective, it gives a good chance for J.B. Nelson, who's probably going to start at left guard, and Hunter Norzad at center, two new guys at their position starting, to really get their on-ramp and really start getting to work and moving some people around and building their confidence as well. So there's two different ways to look at it. You can either build confidence with these new guys up front, or you can build confidence with Drew Aller and these receiving core. And I think it's going to be a pretty even split, but I'd lean towards, especially when Aller's in, them going to the air a little bit more often than, you know, let's say things get out of hand. Not that I'm not that I'm confident that they will, but I can see them leaning on the running backs if the game stays close. If they keep West Virginia at like, like 10 points away, Nick, what do you think? They'll kind of go to the air a little bit more just to get that confidence up. Yeah, I, I, 10 points, 10 points, 14 points. Sure, I can see that. That mm-hmm. My my gripe with what you said was going to be like, yeah, we don't expect a ton from West Virginia this year, but they're not bad enough to sleepwalk against. So yeah, I don't exactly. I don't love the idea of just like saying, hey, Drew, let's just keep throwing the ball until it works because it very well might not work and you don't want to lose mm-hmm. West Virginia. But if they, I, I do agree. I think if they, like, let's say in the third quarter, they're up, uh, I don't know, let's say they build like a 28 to 13 lead, something like that, where you would maybe typically see them just hammer the run, try to eat some clock, all that stuff. I could see them continuing to throw the ball to your point about, so just to, you know, try to get them comfortable, let him, let Jaraller build his rhythm with his receivers in game situations, let them, you know, continue to get used to getting open for him, receiving the ball the way that he's going to throw it, all that stuff. So um, in that regard, yes, I do agree with that. And then we'll flip over real quick and we'll talk the Penn State defense versus this West Virginia offense. Um, Like Penn State, technically, I guess, West Virginia has not named a starting quarterback. We expect it to be Garrett Green, who's listed at 5'11", 202 pounds, a real dual threat kind of guy. Calling plays is going to be Chad Scott. He's a new offensive coordinator here. He was the running backs coach here for quite a while. And Garrett Green started the final two games of the year. They split them. They lost to Kansas State, but then they went on the road and beat Mike Gundy's Oklahoma State team in Stillwater. And in those two games, they averaged 25 points. So and Green did not put finish point. that Oklahoma State game, I believe. I believe he got hurt during that game, so he Correct. didn't finish it, yeah. Correct. But he was still out there, and he's still the one that went out there and, and led the team out to, to eventually get a win. Yeah. Over at running back, they have C.J. Donaldson, who this we see, like, Former safeties move to running back. We see quarterbacks move there. Utah's backup running back is a former quarterback. Very rarely do you see the tight end to running back move, and that's what C.J. Donaldson is. Last year, he had 87 carries for 526 yards and eight scores. So pretty good touchdown-to-carry ratio. He's taking over now as the full-time guy. Also, Justin Johnson Jr. can also play a little bit back there. 
Receiving wise, it's it's a pretty bare cupboard. Cortez Brom is the leading receiver, and he had under 150 yards for them last year. I'm sorry, leading returning receiver is probably the best way to word that. But to help bolster that attack, they brought in Devin Carter, who Penn State fans will remember as an NC State transfer, who was committed and I believed enrolled at Penn State for like the span of like 72 hours, not very long at all. And also Rodney Gallagher out of Southwestern Pennsylvania, who is a true freshman down there and will be a part of that passing game. No doubt about it. Neil Brown never really used tight ends when he was at South Alabama. Or I'm sorry, was he at Troy? Yeah. When he was in the Sun Belt, he never really used tight ends that well. But they brought in a transfer from LSU, Cole Taylor. Started seven games for the Tigers last year. Not, not that much production. But West Virginia has a very, 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 very good offensive line led by Zach Frazier, their center, who is preseason first team all Big 12. Nick, I think this is a great matchup for the Penn State defense because I think they can go after an inexperienced quarterback, but also it gives them a chance to prove what they've been out to prove, that they can hold up better against the run against a talented and experienced offensive line. Where do you fall on this? Yeah, for me, it's not so much about whether they can be better against the run. I'm more concerned, first of all, if they can they equal what they did last year against the run, considering the fact that you lose P.J. Mustafer and Nick Tarburn. You lose your two best run defenders on the line. Um, West Virginia is going to run the ball like crazy this year. That there's, That's going to be the basically the entirety of their offense is going to be running the ball. They'll do some misdirection. They'll do a lot of option stuff. Like they're they're going to, that's going to be their bread and butter. Um, they they love options. They love RPOs. Yeah. And real quick, uh, just, you know, I know you mentioned the CJ Donaldson, former tight end, just to give people kind of a mental picture of what that looks like before the game starts. He's about 15 pounds heavier than both Katron Allen and Nick Singleton. He's a big dude back there. He's going to be tough to bring it's a down. Big boy. Um, as you would expect from Forder, former tight end switching to running back. But yeah, this is a really good chance for the Penn State defensive line to prove that they can hold up against the run, especially one like, especially a run game like what West Virginia is going to bring, which requires you to not only, you know, be a good run defender, but it requires you to be disciplined because they're going to try to do whatever they can to get you out of position and take advantage of you that way, rather than trying to just, you know, out, uh, just run over you necessarily. So it's a mm-hmm. great chance. It's a great test for Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac, Deny Dennis Sutton, the guys that are, you know, we are going to be asked to do more in the run game this year. That's an interesting uh, matchup. You mentioned Zach Frazier, all big 12. Also former future Penn Stater, Doug Nestor has been on the line there. He's yep. been there for a long time. He'll be back this year. Great player. That's what this game's going to come down. It's going to come down to the front seven's ability to control the West Virginia run game. And it's going to really ask them to stay disciplined, fill their gaps, trust the guys around them to do their jobs. And I like that as an opening day, you know, challenge the Mm -hmm. only like the only real gap on the Penn state defense last year was the run defense at times. So it's, it's nice to get a chance to, you know, step one is proving you can match last year. Step two is proving you can be better. So we'll see what we get as far as that goes, but it's a nice, it's a nice opening, opening game, uh, you know, uh, matchup for them because they're going to have to be even better against Illinois and Iowa. So it's, I I like this Mm -hmm. start for the Penn State defense. Two points I want to hit. The the way West Virginia really wants to play is that, especially in the, in the new game where, Possessions are limited thanks to the running clock on first down. There's about six fewer plays a game expected on average. Even though the game time and commercial time is no shorter. 
Yeah, well, sorry, commercial time is longer. Is, but. Yeah, absolutely wild. Um, but West Virginia, if they're going to pull the upset here and win this game, and again, Penn State is a basically a three-touchdown favorite, 20 and a half at time of recording. They're going to try to limit possessions and control the clock and dictate the pace of play in this football game. I think there's a scenario where they can do that with how strong this offensive line is, with a mountain of a man at running back, and with a quarterback who has that dual threat component. I made sure, actually, I don't remember if I hit on this when I started. Garrett Green also ran for 276 yards and five touchdowns last year in limited action. The kid can move, like he can scoot a little bit. So that's the scenario Penn State needs their front to be very disruptive to help avoid. So it's a huge game, I think, for Hakeem Beeman, for Devon Ellis, for Zane Durant, Kaziah Izzard, and especially for Kobe King. We've heard all offseason that Kobe King has really taken this step forward. This is going to be the kind of game where he can go out there and, what do you think, Nick? In a game like this, your middle linebacker can push 15 tackles. Doesn't feel unrealistic? No, it doesn't. I would appreciate you not digging into my guy I'm most excited to watch, though. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll let that, I'll let sleeping dogs lie, but... And then the other point I want to make sure I hit really quick is Penn State saw offenses that play like this last year. They got beaten like they stole something against Michigan. And then they were able to really shut it down against Minnesota the following week. And Minnesota's offensive line, I don't think, was as good as this West Virginia offensive line will be. But Mo Ibrahim is a great running back. And I think a better running back than what West Virginia is going to be able to trot out there. And I wonder if it's going to look a little bit like a mix between those two games for Penn State. I think the front's going to be very disruptive. I think they're really going to try to make West Virginia one-dimensional. And as long as West Virginia can take care of the football, this could get tight. But that's going to be on the Penn State defensive line to step up and really deliver. And speaking of things that always deliver, Nick, let's talk about our friends over at Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel is our podcast sponsor, and they make some of the coolest and sleekest collegiate apparel in the marketplace today. Not only do they have Penn State, they also have West Virginia, this opponent. They have Delaware, next week's opponent, and about 100 other schools in between. Their Penn State collection is about 30 items at this point. They have crewnecks, t-shirts, sweatshirts, joggers, hats. I'm rocking right now my, my white Penn State old school logo shirt. One of my favorites in the collection. I'm going to be rocking home field when I go to the bar to watch this game this week. And for our listeners, you can get 15% off your first order with promo code RLR23. The season is here. It's time to up your wardrobe, and we have a fun one ahead thanks to our friends over at Homefield. Again, that promo code is RLR23 for 15% off your first order. Thank you to Homefield. And Nick, you touched on this a second ago. Maybe it's not the player you're most excited to watch. But give me the guy who is most important for you for Penn State on both offense and defense. You can go offense or defense first, wherever you want to go with this. Okay. All right. You're switching up the order of our of our schedule here. Okay. Um, most important for me on offense, I'm going with center Hunter Norzad. And Ooh, I love this. I'm going with him not because I think that... You know, I don't think he needs to be like an all-American caliber player in order for Penn State to win this game. I'm going with Hunter Norzad, one, because they are going to lean on the run, and it's going to be his job to help, you know, coordinate the entire offensive line, get everyone moving in the right direction. But more importantly, it's going to be his first, you know, actual game with Drew Aller as the starter, a brand new starter to the quarterback position 
behind him. It's also going to be his first game uh, starting at starting. Maybe his first game starting in center. He might have started Correct. one last year. It will be. Okay. Yeah, his first game starting in center for Penn State. He is going to, and you know, when you factor in the night game, wideout environment too, there's going to be a lot going on. And Drew Aller has experience in some of these games. You know, he he had to come in and play immediately against Purdue last year. That was on the road, night game, tough environment. So it's not like Drew Aller hasn't done this before, but it's a bit different when it's your first game as the starter. And I'm sure Drew Aller is very aware of the expectations that are being placed upon him right now. So really, it's Norzad's job to make Drew Aller's life as easy as possible. This West Virginia defense is not all that scary, but he can still, you know, he can still do a lot to make Drew Aller's night easier, whether that's through his Mm -hmm. own play or just identifying blitzers, all that good stuff that comes with the center position. It's a very taxing job. I'm really looking forward to watching him, but I, I think he is going to be the X factor for the Penn State offense on Saturday night. I love that pick. I I really considered picking him here as well, but I settled on Caden Wallace Hmm. for a lot of the reasons you kind of mentioned. No matter how high, you know, no matter what we think of Drew Aller, how highly we think of him, it's still going to be his first start and it's going to be against an FBS defense. So I'm going to go with Caden Wallace here because I think that West Virginia, their secondary is is fine. Again, they're replacing a lot. So if they're going to throw Aller off his rhythm, it's going to be through unique pressures. I think they're going to try to throw the kitchen sink at the guy. And Caden Wallace got pulled towards the end of that Purdue game last year for Bryce Effner. Franklin said it was always the plan to rotate. That was too key a moment for a rotation. That was just a straight up, Caden Wallace wasn't getting the job done, so they swapped him out. I think this is the offseason where Caden Wallace gets that out of his system. So I want to see Caden Wallace go out there and really handle business like a pro. I think if Caden Wallace, who's now going to be number 73, not number 79, as a quick heads up, just so I don't forget, um, if he can go out there and play up to his potential, I think the Penn State offense can really get humming and move the ball, not with ease, but a lot easier than it would have been against Purdue last year. And Nick, who's your guy on defense? On defense, I'm going with linebacker Curtis Jacobs. Oh, I love this. I'm going with Jacobs because when you think about traditional linebacker roles, when you think about the guy at the will, Abdul Carter, yeah, he's going to make plays in the run game as well. But primarily his job is to be, you know, in terms of getting the backfield, primarily he's going after the quarterback. That's kind of the role that Mm -hmm. he plays. Whereas the strong side linebacker, the Sam, excuse me, Curtis Jacobs, his job is oftentimes to kind of be the cleanup guy with everything else Mm -hmm. and be kind of the last the last stage of the defense that gets there especially on run play so he's usually the guy trailing and Curtis Jacobs makes a lot of tackles like diving from behind guys to trip them up that's kind of where he's made a lot of his tackles for loss so against a team that's going to like we've said a lot of misdirection, a lot of option, all that stuff, going to run the ball a lot. He's going to be really important, and he's going to be in position to make a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage. And if he's able to do that, the game's over. Like, if Penn State can stop the West Virginia run game, this game is done. It does Nothing else really matters. So I'm going with Curtis Jacobs. That's a really good pick. I, I love that pick. For me, most important player, I'm going to give it to Hakeem Beeman in the middle. Hmm. Again, I really... Everybody who listens to this podcast, unless it's your first time, in which case, hello, thank you for joining us. But everybody knows how much I love Hakeem Beeman. I have been so high on this guy since his redshirt freshman season in 2020. 
and he was listed about 300 pounds. With the latest roster update, he is now finally back up there about three years later. And if he can refine that form that he had as a redshirt freshman, now as a fifth-year senior, this defense can go to the next level. He's going to have a lot on his plate. This is a really good front front for the West Virginia offense. That offensive line is great. Zach Frazier is great. The running back is big and strong. Garrett Green can run. If Hakeem Beeman can go out there and get a lot of penetration from the middle and free up the edge rushers, if he can require a double team, if Abdul Carter can shoot through a gap that Hakeem Beeman cleared out for him and, and lead to a sack, that's going to be huge for the defense as a whole. Manny Diaz wants to play behind the sticks, and a great way to get teams behind the sticks is with pressure from the interior. So I think Akeem Beeman is the most important player for the Penn State defense, but Nick, he's not the guy on the team as a whole I'm most excited to watch. Yeah. Offensively and defensively, who is the Penn State player you are most excited to watch on Saturday night? Uh, well, I only picked one on defense. I'll have to think about offense after after I okay. say this, but for me, it's Kobe King. A middle linebacker. We've heard a lot of hype about Kobe King's offseason. We've heard Franklin say repeatedly that he had the best offseason of any of the linebackers. And when you consider the other names in that room, that's pretty meaningful. That's a feat. That yeah, that's that's crazy. We've said it enough I times like- already. I don't I don't think people need to hear me repeat it again, but I'm going to. West Virginia is going to try to do some tricky things with their run game. They're going to do things that are designed to confuse the defense, particularly the linebacker core, because it's primarily their job to stop the run. When you're Kobe King and you're the guy in the middle, you need to be the one to diagnose what's happening quicker than everybody else. That is the best thing you can do as a middle linebacker. Even if you're not the one making the play, if you can figure out where the ball is and where the ball is going, you have done your job for the defense and you can trust everyone else around you to help make the play if you are not in position to be able to do so. We saw Kobe King a lot last year. It's not like this is going to be his first time on the field, but From the sound of it, he has taken this starting role by the horns and he is not going to relinquish it unless, you know, unless his play on the field dictates as much. This is a great first opportunity to prove that that uh, offseason hype is for real. And I'm really excited to see if Mm -hmm. he can do it. I love that for me. For me, it's Drew Aller, you know, overall as a team, I am impossibly excited to see the former five star quarterback get his first chance to really feel out a defense. What was it? What was the quote Franklin had in his presser this week where it took until like practice 13 or 14 for Aller to finally throw an interception? I'm excited to see that in practice. I'm excited to see not come well, on. In practice, are we, in a game are we really going to, are we really going to hype on the, the stats against the defense in training camp scenarios? Listen, what is this Colorado? That's all we have. That's all we have right now. That's all <laughs> we have to go off of right now, but I'm, I'm dying to see Drew Aller go out there and play. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch his rapport with the receivers. Yursich not being on the field for the first time is an interesting dynamic. And I'm curious if that changes how they call the game. Uh, but overall it's Drew Aller. I cannot wait to see what he does out there and how he performs. And Nick, before we give our predictions, Let's remember some dudes. So I mentioned the last time. This is not in the rundown, Nick. I'm calling an audible here because I really want to know your thoughts here. Penn State's last season opener at home was a 79-70 to win over the University of Idaho Vandals. (laughs) Do you know what you just said? What? You said they won 79-70. to 
Oh, sorry. 79 to seven. <laughs> Excuse me. Apologies. 79 to seven. Penn State beat Idaho in 2019. Nick, can you name every player to score a touchdown in that game for Penn oh, State? Oh, boy. All right. 2019. Uh, so that would have been KJ. Real, real quick, real quick. Just so I, they had, they scored three passing touchdowns and they scored seven rushing touchdowns. Okay, let's try to get the passing ones out of the way. So twenty nineteen. Okay. Okay. So one, I'm assuming it was KJ. Two was KJ. Okay. Two were KJ. That would have been when Jahan was a freshman. Uh, probably not Jahan. Jahan had one catch for thirteen yards in that game. Yeah. Um, that's back when Jahan Dotson just came on the field for third that da- for third downs and converted every single one. Um, yeah. is it a tight end? It is a tight end. So would that have been, uh, Fryermuth? It was not Pat Fryermuth. Oh boy. Uh, what was it? Did Koontz actually catch a touchdown while he was at Penn state? It was not Zach Koontz. It was a red shirt freshman at the time. Oh. Uh, would it have been strange? It was Brenton Strange, yeah. one catch for four yards. Okay, and then 2019, you said se- how many rushing touchdowns? Five? They had, they had seven rushing seven. touchdowns. Okay, so, oh boy, 2019. So Journey Brown. From five different players, from five different yeah. players. Journey Brown. Journey Brown had Journey Brown had two. Uh, Ricky Slade. Ricky Slade had one. Uh, Devin Ford. Devin Ford had one. Kevon Lee. Kevon Lee was not in college no, yet, so right. no Kevon Lee. Twenty years of freshman. Um, okay, so that's that was four of the seven touchdowns. Um, mm-hmm. Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford did not have a touchdown oh, in this game. What? Oh boy. Um, Two more running backs you're missing. One you should get. One I don't think you'll get. Uh, I mean. Two more running. Backs. One is still playing college football to this I was day. Say, is is Tank one of them? Tank is not one of them. Oh man, he is no longer playing college football in the Big Ten, but he's still playing. Oh come on, you're gonna be mad if you don't get this one. You're gonna be actively mad at yourself. Uh, oh, Noah Kane. Noah Kane scored two. And all right, um, let's see. Walk on running. Tyler Holdsworth. No, Nick Yuri was the uh, final yeah, one to score in that, that game. So, yeah, Cliff had two touchdowns, and Will Levis, uh, as a true freshman, I think, at the time, uh, came in there and threw one. Mm, so, okay. fun game, Nick. And then, before, like, one more thing before we do our final predictions. Give me an off-the-radar thing. It doesn't have to be a touchdown. I prefer if it's not. That you're excited to see. One thing that is either a fun part of the game, a fun play, a fun wrinkle. What's one thing that you're just, for some reason, when that happens, you really enjoy it, that you're excited to see? I'm I'm going to twist the question a little bit just because I Go I couldn't it. think of anything I really liked for this answer. I'm going to twist this into uh what's an interesting thing I'd like to learn in this game. Okay. I okay. really want to see how much pressure Manny Diaz brings from guys not on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to get plenty of pressure with just that front four for most of this season. I'm really curious whether Manny Diaz sees that as an opportunity to, you know, continue what he does and just completely overwhelm teams, or if he sees that as an opportunity to maybe ease off the blitzing a tiny little bit as compared to past years 
and just try to bottle things up even more on the secondary. So I'm excited to see what his play calling looks like. Okay. All right. You took this answer way more literally than I, I did. did. I did. Um, my my one fit, fun thing I'm excited to see is I love when defensive linemen bat balls down and then they do the no fly zone celebration where they put their hands up and flap their wings like the defensive backs do. Uh, that's my favorite thing that happens every single game. Uh, so that is the one off the radar thing that always makes me. Laugh. Do you like that more then, than yeah. when I really like when Parker Washington started doing it last year? I that was awesome, but again, it's just really funny when like, especially now like the defensive line is like mostly guys over three hundred pounds, sure. especially at defensive tackle. Like especially when they do it, it's really funny to me. <laughs> so like I, PJ did it a couple of times last year, and it just looked so stupid, <laughs> uh, and it was absolutely hilarious. So I hope we get to see a lot more of that. I love it. So Nick, Penn State wins this game if what? If they can run the football, I think if they can run the football, that's kind of all they need to do i i'm expecting the west virginia offense to at least kind of at least sneak through a couple decent runs especially early as you know the penn state defense gets settled in but i think as long as penn state's able to run the ball themselves that's all that it's really going to take to lock this one up west virginia wins this game if what if they are able to prove that the Kobe King hype was nothing more than just hype and that the loss of the losses of Jair Brown and Joey Porter Jr. lead to the secondary taking a large step back in terms of being able to tackle the ball carrier, then I could see them being able to control the clock enough and move the ball enough to sneak out a win, I guess. All right. And Nick, give me your final score prediction for Penn State, West Virginia. I have Penn State 41, Virginia, West Virginia, excuse me, not Virginia, West Virginia 17. All right. So you have them covering that. I think it's going to be like something like maybe 20 to 10 at halftime, something like that. I think at the end of the end of the third quarter, even it's going to be like, 28 17 something that looks like a very normal football game and then i think they poured on a bit in the fourth quarter i'm with you i'm with you in a high scoring game for penn state i think they're gonna try to come out there and prove that they are a legitimate contender nationally and in the big 10 with this kind of game Optics, baby i think they come out guns blazing i have penn state scoring 49 points and i have west virginia scoring 10 hmm. so i have the nittany lions winning by 39 points i think they're going to not kick a field goal because they do not feel confident doing it in this kind of environment. I think the Delaware game is a much better example of a better environment to throw out new field goal kickers in. So I think on fourth and short, especially this team is going to go for it. I think they're going to convert a healthy little bit and that's going to keep the offense on the field and let them score some. Ooh, points. you know what? Nick, I do first... have an answer for something I'm excited to see. Okay. I'm excited me. to see them go into the wing tee and then flex out of it. Yeah, that's always that's fun. my favorite. Those are always fun. Nick, first touchdown of the year belongs to the fat man. Oh, I like it. I'm going with Keandre Lambert Smith. I, I think uh, James Franklin, Mike Yurisich and co tried to take the roof off the place on the very first drive. And I think Penn State connects okay. uh, with a deep shot early on to go out there and take an early lead. 
Nick, so you are on board. Anything else in the Big Ten or just Penn State-wise you want to hit on ahead of the first week of the year? Oh, man, I haven't even really looked at the Big Ten schedule. Hold on. Let me. We got Nebraska-Minnesota tonight. That one will be uh, that one will be a fun one. I'm curious to see what uh, what Jeff Sims does for the Cornhuskers and how uh, the Greek rifle takes over at Minnesota. Yeah, we saw a yeah. little bit of him in that game last That's year. A, it's an interesting uh, way to define the word fun, but okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Michigan plays on Peacock. Mm. Um Indiana hosts Ohio State. That'll be that'll be fun. Um, any other sicko stuff? Not really all that many sicko games. No. Well, Northwestern and Rutgers play on Sunday morning. Which is hilarious. I love that. That one's going to be amazing. That one's going to be great. Yeah, there's not a lot going on in the big... I, I think this Penn State-West Virginia game is by far the most interesting... I mean, I guess Nebraska-Minnesota could challenge for interesting. Ohio State-Indiana yeah. is going to be ugly. Mm-hmm. Towson, Maryland. This it's we're gonna. It's just the same thing with Maryland every year. Let me let me pull a Maryland schedule real quick here. There beginning September Maryland, Towson, it's Charlotte, up for a very big September Maryland, yeah, Towson, Charlotte, Virginia. I'm sure Maryland's gonna do this thing they do every year. They're gonna drop like seventy points on average the first three games, and then the second they face a defense with a pulse, they're just gonna get shot back to earth. Illinois Toledo bold prediction Jaden Dotton my boy former uh former Penn State wide receiver finds the end zone for the Rockets in that game that's my bold prediction uh if you're looking for those in the Toledo Illinois game that's probably on like BTN uh all right Nick let's get out of here anything else you want to send our listeners off into game week with if you're driving up to State College enjoy the game stay safe uh have a great time be loud Nick anything you want to send the folks off with go enjoy one of several bars in state college that i probably don't even know exists at this point were you ever were you around have you ever been to doggies yes i haven't still haven't been outside there but i have been there oh, since was, the name change yes i was there with a friend of the show cade uh one time and i had a grand old time so still a great doggies spot. not a sponsor yeah. yeah still a great spot doggies not a sponsor but as always they could be Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Roar Lions Roar, our first game preview of the year. If you like what you heard, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. If you're on YouTube, hit the like button. Help us grow this channel. Be sure to hit subscribe and give us your picks in the comments. Let us know what you're excited to see and what you think uh, What you think this opening game is going to shake out like. Shout out to our partners over at Home Field Apparel. Be sure to use promo code RLR23 for 15% off your first order. And be sure to follow us over there on Twitter, over at RLR blog. We're always out there tweeting stuff throughout College Football Saturdays, and we cannot wait to get back out there. And maybe a Twitter space is, is on the horizon after the West Virginia game, depending on what happens. But that is a decision we'll have to make come Saturday. And until then, for my co-host, Nick Polak, I'm Matt Lubovitz. Take care, everyone, and go State. Go State.